Amen. So for the past 11 weeks, we've been working through a, a series of messages on Colossians, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter. And in that letter, he, he teaches again and again that you are in Christ, that in Christ, God changes us. Through the first two chapters of the, in the letter, Paul, Paul tells us about what happens when we become a Christian, when, when we become in Christ. He, he said, we didn't need to add any other beliefs or other rituals, that Jesus is enough to save you and save me, and Jesus is enough actually to change us. And being in Christ, it does change us. The last two chapters in this letter describe the changes that take place. But instead of saying, you're a Christian, so you better do this and do that. Instead of Paul, Paul didn't come at it that way. Instead, instead of that, Paul, Paul says, you're different. And this is what that means. This is what that different means. This is how different you really are. He says, you are different, and now live it out. Live it out in your personal holiness, he says. Put away your old way, the world's way of living. Put on the way of Christ, and that is love, he said. He went on, he said, and live that love out with one another in the family of God. In the church, live, uh, live in a, a loving one another, serving one another. Be graceful to one another. Forgive one another. Live it out in the community of faith. And that's not all. He said, then live it out in your home with your spouse, with your children and your parents, with your servants and your masters. Live it out in your family of God, in your families as well. Now in the final chapter, in chapter 4, Paul concludes with a reminder as to, to how, how those in Christ are to live with everybody else. The people outside the faith. Outsiders, Paul refers to them. Now, what he means by outsiders is, is people outside the church. I get it that in our world today here where we are, uh, everybody in our community would, basically everyone, right, is a Christian. But Paul means those outside the fellowship of the church. You see, in Paul's world, it, it, would never, it would never happen that, that you would be a Christian and you wouldn't be a part of the body. You just wouldn't. You wouldn't be outside the body. In fact, I'll be honest, it, for me, it, it gets harder and harder for me to understand it too. How I could have for years claimed to be a Christian and not long to be with my church family. I mean, I get it that that there may be health issues, right? That a, a quarantine, right? A deadly virus that would that would keep us away from the body. But but for it to be a regular distance, but be a regular separation that divides us a person from the body of Christ, that there, there has to be a longing to be with that family of faith. Paul would never consider a member of the body of Christ as thinking, church, eh, I can take it or leave it. I mean, for Paul, that would make someone an outsider because they were not connected to the body. They were not, or they were, they were outside, 
the body. And I'm not talking about church membership. What I'm talking about is being, is being invested and involved in the church, in the life of the church. So Paul is writing to insiders, and he's telling them how they might approach outsiders. He gives us what I call a prayer and share. Two steps. Two steps for making disciples, for being disciples. Michelle and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary this past week. Of course, we weren't able to take our cruise to Alaska that we thought we might, back before COVID anyway. We, we weren't able to, to go to Belize or Bonaire where we thought would be our backup plan. We weren't even able to go out to dinner. But, but thanks to some of you, we were able to have dinner brought to us, and that was special. So I thank you for that. But, but back when we got married, country music was pretty popular. I, I know some of you are thinking country and music, those two words don't even belong in the same sentence. But, but actually, country back then, country was cool. Well, I guess now it tries to be cool, but back then it was just real country. Anyway, that's not my point. My point is, is that we were going to have a country band at our wedding. Now, Michelle wanted me to be able to dance, and if you saw it at me in action, you would know. I'm not making TikTok videos. So she signed me up for dance lessons. What she wanted was for us to two-step. And I figured out, how hard could it be? Two steps, right? Well, it's, it's much more involved than two steps. I assure you of that. That's how I see today's text. Two steps to, to being a disciple. Two steps, prayer and share, but they are huge steps. So in our text today, Colossians 4, chapter, uh, ch- Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, Paul wrote this. He said, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Those are good words from Paul. This week, Michelle and I have been overwhelmed with your outpouring of love and concern for us. It's been amazing. The texts, the messages, the prayers, the encouragement have been amazing. They truly have. It reminded me that we are really good at praying in times of crisis. When we get bad news, when we see trouble coming, we really are good at praying then. Oh, Lord, help me, right? Father, help me. Save me. Rescue me. Protect me. I'm scared. I'm hurting. I'm hungry. God, where are you? Please, Lord. Show me what to do. I am lost. Lord, 
I don't know where else to turn. Can you hear me? I mean, those are the prayers we are very familiar with praying. Those seem to come to us easily. I mean, he, God loves us, and, and He loves to help us, right? He tells us to pray when we face troubles of any kind, Scripture says. So we should pray when we face crises, no matter the type. But He also tells us, Paul writes it here, to be devoted to prayer. To be devoted to prayer. And, and in that, well, I, I saw a movie this week where one character, it was a military movie, and he, he told his commanding officer, you have my loyalty. And the commanding officer responded, I don't, I don't want your loyalty. I want your devotion. What's the difference? What's the difference between loyalty and devotion? To me, and I didn't look these up really, but, but to me, loyalty says, I live for this. Right? Whereas devotion says, I can't live without it. It's just a whole other level. Devotion tells me a whole other degree of, of commitment. Paul says, be devoted to prayer. Live to be in prayer. That's why your heart beats. Prayer almost comes naturally to us when we're in a crisis, doesn't it? I mean, it just, it just seems like the most natural thing to do is call out to God. When the things that are most important to us are hurting or sick, when we're stressed or anxious, prayer comes <laughs> as, as natural as worrying. We, we find that praying for things that, that are important to us is right now often is all we can do. I mean, what else can I do oftentimes is pray. The sick, my loved one who's hurt, the hurt that I feel, the broken relationships. When we've tried all other means of working out a, a solution, we even say it, well, all we can do now is pray. All we can do now. How crazy is that? I'll admit, I, I prayed a lot this week. I prayed for my wife, for her healing. I prayed for, for James's family. I prayed a lot for Miss L. God wants us to pray when we're hurting, when those we love are hurting. He wants us to pray. He, doesn't, he isn't offended by our prayers. He isn't troubled by our prayers. When, 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 when we are going through difficult times, God wants to hear from us. He's there for us. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants to answer our prayers. He does. God, God wants to answer us. That's what, exactly what Jesus explained to his, the disciples when, when they asked Jesus, you know, Lord, how should we pray? And, you know, he, he went on to teach them the, uh, the Lord's Prayer as we know it. But right after that, in, in Mark, I believe it is, Jesus told them a story about a, a man who asked his neighbor for bread. In the middle of the night, he just goes and knocks on the door and asks for bread. Jesus says the neighbor, he doesn't, he doesn't give him the bread because of, of their friendship. Instead, he gives them the bread because of the man's boldness in asking in the middle of the night. Because he asked. Because he asked. That's why. 
we are to be bold in asking God to work in our lives. But, but prayer isn't only about what I want. Prayer is a way for me to get tuned in to what God is doing. You hear that? Prayer is a way for me to get tuned in to what God is doing. I got to thinking about this that this week, that, that I didn't spend a lot of time praying this week about what God might be trying to do in my crisis. Through it. I didn't, I didn't, it dawned on me that I didn't pray that. And that's what I believe Paul means when he says to be watchful and thankful. Prayerfully watching for what God is doing. Even when it looks like a crisis. Because what looks like a nightmare to me, to you, might become a place for God to work in a person's life. See, what, what you or I may see as a problem that needed to be solved, it might become a place for God to reveal an answer to a promise. You see? Where, where you or I may see brokenness, God may see is an opportunity for restoration. But we don't know that until we spend time in prayer. See, when we pray, being watchful, our prayer changes from, Lord, deliver me from this, and it turns it into, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this? What do you want me to learn in this? Being watchful and thankful for all the times that God has shown up. Being thankful. In prayer, you see, is about trusting God, not our circumstances. So, but not our situation, but believing that God is at work even when it doesn't look like he is. Prayer says, God, I trust you because you've delivered me from sin. Whether or not you deliver me from this, I trust you because you are my deliverer. You're my only hope. That's what prayer says. And that's what I think Paul meant by saying to be watchful and thankful in our prayers. That it's not just the things that, that we're aware of that we, that we feel, right? but that we prayerfully consider what God might be doing now and has already been and, and has already done in our lives or through our lives. Remember Jesus' words when he taught the disciples to pray? He said in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 10, I believe I have the, the text here on the screen, yeah. He said, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a powerful, that's a powerful word. That's a powerful thing. That, that, to pray for God's will to be done no matter what. See, God wants us to come to him with our burdens, with our needs, absolutely. God wants us to lift up everything on our agenda, absolutely. He cares about it because I care about it, or because I care about it. But he also wants us to lift up what's on his agenda, what he's trying to do in us, through us. That's what he means by his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So be watchful and thankful to pray. 
with an eternal perspective because God is doing far more than we can see or imagine because His ways are, are much higher than our ways, right? I'll be honest with you. This week, it's been a difficult thing for me to do. Some of you may not know, but my wife and I, we were in an accident, a car accident, and uh, the driver of the other vehicle lost his life. It was awful. And it still is, actually. Uh, we live in a small town, and, and his friends are, are my friends. I, I've been wrestling with with wanting to ask God why, right? I, want, like I, I don't know I shouldn't ask God why, because God can do whatever God wants. Why did he die and I get to walk away? Why, Lord? That's, that's been something I've wanted, I've, I've asked, and I want an answer. Then it struck me. I confronted knowing that, that he knew Jesus' life when I realized that, that. And life isn't perfect, but God was at work in him just like he's at work in me. And I can be watchful and thankful in my prayers. Not why, Lord, but what, Lord? What do you want me to see? How do you want me to respond I don't know the answers to those questions, but I'm listening, I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm watchful and thankful. So let me ask you, how might being watchful and thankful change your prayers? Think about that. So we pray that, that while we can only experience a small glimpse of life, God can do great things with it with our small glimpse of life, right? So when Paul says, while you're praying, by the way, while you're praying, it's almost like he adds this in. Pray for us too. Remember, he, Paul here is in prison. Now, what's amazing is that he doesn't say, pray I get out of here soon. Pray that I, that I can get early release. I mean, that's what I would be praying, right? That's what we would pray. But, but no, it, he says, pray that I get an opportunity to share the gospel. And that when I do, that I do it as clearly as I can, as, so it can be understood. What's <laughs> that for a prayer request? Don't pray for me to, to have it easy. Pray that I get an opportunity to share Christ. Wow, I love Paul's perspective. I mean, we don't think that we could ever pray that I'm in prison, right? Well, okay, so maybe you won't ever be, but... But what about outside of prison? What about at work? Could we pray? Could we ask one another in our small group or, or somewhere else, Lord, that we would get the opportunity to share the good news, the gospel at work? I mean, that's something that, that, that we can all pray for one another this week. So step one. Be devoted to prayer. Step two in this disciple two-step is to be wise with people outside the church family. To walk in wisdom. Throughout Paul's letters, he teaches us that the way we live is a reflection of the gospel. The way we live, the way we live our lives is, is actually a reflection of the gospel. 
as he wrote in his letter to the, to the Corinthians, I believe in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, where he said this, and I believe I have it here on the screen, yeah. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God speaking through us, God using us as his ambassadors to represent him here on earth, to represent him here in the world. That's a, that's a really a heavy responsibility, right? But, but it's a fact. I mean, when, when people consider your life and hear you speak of your life with Jesus in the church or whatever, they see your life as a reflection of God. Now, I don't know if you like that or not. We all have probably had the experience of, of hearing about someone who's, who, who's a Christian. And we, the first thought that comes to our mind is, they were a Christian? Like, like we're shocked, right? We're blown away. Why, why do we say that to ourselves? Why do we think that, right? Why? Because their life didn't reflect Christ. So they didn't look like ambassadors, right? Paul says that because yours does, he's still in the church here, because you are ambassadors, because you do reflect Christ, now be wise in how you interact with outsiders. You see, walk in wisdom because you represent Christ. Because you represent Christ. What, what should we be known for among outsiders? What should we be known for among outsiders? Forgiveness? Self-control? Those are good. How about, how about peace? How about peace? How about joy? Should we be known for joy to those outside the, the church? I got, a, I got one for you. How about love? Should we? Yeah, we should be known for love for sure, right? One thing I'm learning to do, and it's not easy, is that instead of creating conflict in conversations, and, and I, tend to, I, I tend to like conflict, actually, in dealing with outsiders, I'm learning to create questions, asking people what they think and why. Asking people what they think about Jesus. What, what do they think about the life and death, right? Just, just giving them a chance to share what they think because I want to hear, I want to know what they think. I, I want to create questions in people's minds because I think too often in our world today, we don't question what we hear very often. I mean, you and I, we don't either, right? We, we just keep taking it in, whatever our world shovels to us, whatever our culture feeds us, we keep taking it in. Whether It doesn't matter whether we get it from CNN or Fox News or whether we get it from CNBC or the latest movie or, or the TV shows we watch. We just take it all in without thinking about it very much. I mean, honestly, we don't. We need to question things. As, body, as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to question what we're putting into our minds, right? Our world needs to consider the, the spiritual realities of life. In order for that to happen, we must be wise in making the most of every opportunity. We must create questions in people's minds, questions that can only be answered by God. What might that look like at your work? Maybe, maybe helping someone in need of a, on a project, maybe, right? Giving you an opportunity to create questions. Maybe 
maybe stepping in to defend someone who's being picked on or, or bullied at school. Maybe listening to someone share what they're going through in their life or, or what their fears are. Making the most of every opportunity is just what we're called to. To be available to people, full of grace. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, Paul says. When I think of being full of grace, right, I think of using words that draw people in rather than drive them away. Using words that draw people in. If, if, you, if you need to see what, what this is like, I encourage you to just go on social media, especially Twitter these days. And there's something about feeling protected behind a computer screen that allows people to put the most bizarre things on the Internet. I mean, they can be really bold to say things uh, online that they would never say face-to-face with people. Paul says, Paul tells the church, in your conversation, be gracious and attractive, not repulsive, not to drive people away, but to draw them in. You, you may have heard it said, be winsome in your speech. I think there have been some Christians who were known more for what they were against than what they were for. And now we have a, a world of people who think Christianity is about being against the things of this world. But Paul says to let your words offer grace, not judgment. Let your words offer grace, not judgment. That's exactly how Jesus interacted with people outside as well as many inside. Think of them. The woman at the well. Grace. The the woman caught in adultery. Grace. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, grace. Even Peter, the disciple. You remember Peter, right? Peter, the the bold disciple, the one who got out of the boat to walk with Jesus, the one who, who, who pushed everyone else aside, right? Peter, the one who was so bold until it came time for Jesus to be tried. And then what happened? Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Again and again and again, Peter denied following, let alone knowing him. And how did Jesus respond? Grace. He restored him. He told him he loved him. That's what Paul says. Speak grace, not judgment into people's lives. Speak grace. This will be noticed. It's going to be like salt, he says. Salting your conversation. Salt throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as well in the ancient world, was used as a preservative. We know it. It enhances taste. I mean, I can't eat anything without salt on it. Probably way too much, right? It even makes you thirsty. Paul says, let your words of grace be salty so that people may look for the living water. Hey, you want to to use a connection there? Salty enough that people reach out for living water. People outside the faith, they have questions. We just need to help them see the questions. What they want is answers, not arguments. And we are people who God has put in place to point them to the God who holds all the answers. People need to know who you know. People need to know Jesus. 
Jesus is enough to change their life, to set them on a course to hope and fulfillment. And you know him. And they're dying to know. They're dying to know. If that's you today, you're watching this, and you're like, you know, you keep talking about this guy Jesus as though he can really change lives. And I just want to tell you that, yes, he can. Yes, he can. He has. He's changed mine. And he promises to change yours if you would repent of your sin. That means to turn away from your way of living, to turn towards him. And in that moment, in that instance, that moment of you turning your life to him, your whole future changes. Your whole life changes. He gives you a new one, a life that's not riddled by sin. He gives you hope and a future. He gives your life purpose. He wants to do that for you today. All you need to do is to pray a prayer of confession. Pray a prayer of surrender, surrendering your life to his. You can pray just like this right after me. Just, just pray like, Lord, I need you. I, I understand that I've fallen short of your desire for my life. I've been living for myself, and you created me to live for you. I repent of my sin, Lord. God, give me a new life. I want that new life. I thank you for making it possible by sending Jesus to live and die for me. I trust in that good news. Lord, I thank you for new life. Teach me to live it. Fill me with your spirit that I might live for you, to glorify you. God, I thank you for purpose. I thank you for a life. I thank you for a future and a hope. Use me for your glory, God. I praise you. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer today, I just want to say welcome to the family, right? Welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us who have been, who, who maybe you prayed that prayer again, or, or maybe, maybe you've been in the family of God for a long time. And actually, you've fallen short. You've fallen short and and you don't pray enough. Well, let me ask you this. Before you feel guilty about that, you can't pray enough. I mean, right? Like, how could we pray enough? We can't. So, but, but what God can do is create in us a desire to be in communion with Him, to be in conversation with Him. And that's what we can ask God to do, is God to create that desire in us to pray. We can ask God to create that desire in us to be graceful. To interact with outsiders with wisdom. We can ask God for that. And he promises to deliver. To give us all we need or ask. If we would just ask. So let's ask. Join me in prayer today. God, we thank you for your salvation, God. We thank you for a relationship with Jesus. Now, Father, we ask that you would you would quicken our hearts that we would we would seek to be in communion with you, God. That we would that we'd be reminded, we'd be mindful to pray, God. To turn off the television and reach out to you in prayer, God. We ask, God, that you would that you would prompt us with your Holy Spirit, God. That you would put the words in our mouth when we speak with those outside of the family of God. Maybe they're maybe they're Christians, or they were they were once Christians, but they've slid back, God. They've slid out of the family of God, Lord. Give us wisdom in interacting with them, that we may draw them into your family, God, that we may pull them back to, as though we were rescuing them from the fire, Scripture says, and then we can rejoice together. Lord, give us grace to interact with outsiders, 
give us a longing to pray. You can do that in us, Lord. We, we can respond. When we feel the prompting to pray, we can stop and pray. When we feel you giving us a word to share with someone who's outside, we can share. We can be graceful, not judgmental. We'll do that work in us because we believe it is your will that our heart would be in alignment with yours. We love you and we praise you. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Uh, I invite you, if you would, to, to just send me a word. If, this, if today's message has encouraged you in any way, just let me know. I want to I wanna help you uh, in your walk with Christ, all right? I invite you, if you would, to join me in our benediction. Life is much more than an accident. Wherever I go, I believe God needs me there. Wherever I am, I trust God has put me there. He has a purpose for me being there. Christ, alive in me, wants to do something through me no matter where I am. I believe this, and I go in his grace and his love and his power. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you soon. I owe to you, Jesus. Jesus. I Here, my hope is found here on holy ground.